This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's get it going. Happy Friday. Happy Calgary Flames game day. Game two of two on this mini homestand for the Flames as they welcome in former Flame and now Blues head coach Craig Berube and the St. Louis Blues tonight. We'll get to all of that during the program. This is Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. With you for the next two hours, I'm Logan Gordon. He's Cam. She's Taylor. Lots to do on the show today. We'll chat with Peter Labardius in just moments. Get you up to date on the latest news from the Calgary Flames ahead of this matchup against the Blues tonight. We'll also take a look at the opponent Coming into town after a big shootout win over the Oilers last night. Blues reporter for NHL.com, Luke Korak, going to join us. Second segment of Hour 1. We'll hear from some of the Flames following morning skate in Hour 2. And we'll uh, debut a new Friday feature coming up in Hour 2 that I'm very, very excited about. We'll uh, talk to you as the show goes on, but... Let's kick things off like we always do. It's time to say hello to our pal, Peter Labardius. Uh, he is brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group is now offering air miles, reward miles. You can visit the GeminiGroup.ca. Good afternoon, Mr. Labardius. How are you, sir? I am fine. I just had something very interesting happen. Cam asked if I would be loud enough for to maybe bring up my volume. And I said to him, no. Uh, well, I didn't say this to him. I just said it wouldn't be a problem. And for the most part, as I try to stay at this register, maybe for the whole hit, that doesn't... I get asked the other way. Yeah, I it's, generally it's, don't ask to be boosted. So that was funny. Yeah, it's a, that's a new one. Uh, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll, it's okay. It's yeah. all part of the learning process. 100%. Yes. yes. And uh, very glad to have you along, sir. we got a game day. <laughs> Uh, tonight at the Scotiabank Saddledome, the St. Louis Blues are in town. And uh, after morning skate, we've got a couple of things to go over with the Calgary Flames. Milan Lucic is back in the lineup tonight after being scratched for the last handful of games. And we've also seen a shift in the top six for the Calgary Flames. Dylan Dubé will move up to play with Elias Lindholm and Tyler Toffoli. Jonathan Huberdeau on a line with Nazem Kadri and Andrew Mangiapane. Where do you want to start uh, on the lineup changes today, Luke? Let's Let's start with the 34-year-old veteran, Milan Lucic, who addressed um, the media this morning in the room. I was not in there at the time. I was chatting with Daryl Sutter for our upcoming coaches show and the pregame show. Uh, Logan, you know, earlier this week when we talked about Milan, I thought a game against... You know, a veteran team, especially in that part of the lineup and a team that can play very heavy, would probably have a good chance for him to return. And that is going to be the case tonight. I know for a fact it is not easy. It can't be. That guy who's 
loved hockey since pretty much the day he was born and has been completely invested in it, you know, this this is a crossroads for him right now. And it may be a situation where, and I think he will actually benefit from it, where depending on situations, back-to-backs, types of opponents, I think what's really important for Milan is to have him at his best and really impactful in the right situations. And most importantly, what you hope is another appearance in the playoffs, but not easy, not even close to being easy. And I'm sure there's been a lot of sleepless nights from him. And if we have a clip of him right at this time, it'd be great, I think, including for myself to to hear how he's feeling about what's gone on here in the last week or so. Yeah, he talked about that a bit today and uh, a bit of what he wants to do when he does get back in the lineup today. And here is Milan uh, following morning skate at the Saddle Dome today. Just got to do what I do to to help the team win. And uh, for me, I think uh, it's a bigger thing of being a you know, positive influence and a leader in the locker room and, you know, getting guys, uh, you know, prepared to play the right way and, and enforcing uh, what we need to do. And, and then for myself personally, just going out there and, you know, just playing loose and, and, and uh, you know, playing the way I can. And sometimes when you're, you know, in a rut or whatever, uh, when you try too hard, it, it works against you. So it's not about... It's, it's one of those things. It's not about doing more. It's almost like less is more in a sense and simplifying things. And uh, that's when I'm at my best. And that's, uh, you know, that's what I need to do, uh, you know, uh, tonight and moving forward. Well said. You knew you would get that type of answer from him because he's such an insightful guy on any hockey subject you would ever ask him, including himself. And that is the case. A lot of times in life when it feels like you're trying harder you can almost try too hard and work against yourself. Um, I think we all fall into that category and we're in patterns and, you know, we don't understand why when it matters so much and we're trying so hard that it's not working. So um, he'll have a lot of energy tonight. And I had a chance to ask his coach about the situation and here's how Daryl responded to what's happened with the longtime veteran. Well, you got to earn your bottom line. It doesn't matter what kind of career you've had or what you've done or anything like that. You got to earn it. You have to, you know. I think we've talked enough, about it, or I've I haven't talked about it, but I've heard heard enough about it. But uh, he hasn't scored and he hasn't done this in a long time. Well, that's just, that is a stat and that's true. So uh, he's got he's got to earn his. Once you get in a position that you're in another lineup, then you got to earn your way to stay in the lineup. And there's a number of guys. There's guys we call up do that, and there's no, and there's always one or two guys that sit out. So you get back in, earn it. Very simple. Great answer. And I have no doubt in my mind that we'll, we'll get 10 or 12 very good minutes from number 17 because he will have hated the last week, and I don't like to use that word, but... I think in this case, it's an adjective for him that likely fits. And I think, in fact, I would bet money on the fact that he responds with a very, very solid effort, an effort that would resemble what I saw from him, and more importantly, the line that he was playing on earlier in the season. So he comes back in. It's it's a good fit against a team that's very heavy and, and veteran in the bottom of their lineup. And 
So we'll see how number 17 plays tonight. He'll be on a line with Redeem Zahorna and Trevor Lewis tonight as he takes Brett Ritchie's spot in the lineup. He'll be a healthy scratch heading into tonight's game. The other change that we talked about, Lou, uh, a change up in the top six on the left side. Dubé up with Lindholm and Toffoli. Huberto with Kadri and Manjapani. And uh, a lot of people will point immediately to Jonathan Huberto and how this affects him and what he can do. But also something to be said about how well Dylan's played for him to be in the spot uh, to move up with Lindholm and Toffoli as well, in my mind. Well, Dylan in the last two, two and a half weeks is playing some of his best hockey that I've witnessed. Um, he's skating. He's on pucks. He's been more poised with the puck. Uh, he's made some good plays to make sure pucks get out of his own end of the rink, which, you know, is something last year that caused him some difficulty with Daryl and earned him the odd spot in the press box or a spot on the bench for lengthy times in games. So, uh, I, you know, the interesting part for me, but I completely understand it. You know, Logan, how we've talked about the goalie being Markstrom, and I've said, and you know this all the way along, I've said, no matter what, that you have to, he's going to be the guy that carries it. Mm -hmm. And for this team, until some key people really start making an impact on a regular basis, and it's hard, you got you got to keep mixing and matching a little bit until you find some things. And obviously the spotlight is on Jonathan. He knows it. I think that's one of the reasons, frankly, not unlike what you've heard from Milan Lucic in the last 10 minutes. He's an invested guy. He, he cares. And, you know, in watching him play, and the other night, and I'm his biggest supporter and I will continue to be, but I have to be fair, and the other night was not his best night. And I know he's going to come out of it. There's, there's just no doubt in my mind. Now, you know, at 30 games in, it is what it is. But, you know, at a certain point, you can't always revisit the past. So you have to understand it's a new situation. It's a new beginning. He was let go by a team that he loved and a place that he loved to live. And, you know, everybody associated with him loved it. It may take a full year, in all sincerity, for him to get to a better place with all of it. That's how I really feel. And it's not for a lack of care or try or want and want to make a difference. And I know, I can't forecast it, I am not Kreskin. I do not have a silver or whatever crystal or whatever you want for the ball. But I have a lot of faith in this guy, and I know the adjustment for him has been very difficult. But right now, this team, whether it is him or Nazem, and, you know, they paid a lot of money. They're going to pay more money to bring those guys in, and they're not alone in terms of impact makers. But this team right now needs not a ton – just a little more from some of their best people. And interesting, we've seen we've seen Jonathan now obviously have extended shifts with with Lindholm and Toffoli. We've seen him for a while there. He was on that line with Michael Backlund. Why 
do you think this lineup with Kadri and Manjapani would have a chance to to succeed a little bit more maybe than the other pairings have? Um, it's a great question. I'd like to give you an easy answer. I don't think there is an easy answer. Okay. What I will what I will tell you though is this. When those other two gentlemen are on their game and they've been on their game more often than not recently, they hound the puck. They're they're great four checkers. Um you know, they they can finish at times not as often probably as either one would have liked. And and what I personally think is when you play with Jonathan, what you have to be able to do is make yourself available when he has the puck. And you have to be ready for anything. And I think that's been an adjustment for players that he's played with. And because, you know, he was a more confident player in Florida. And and remember, if you go back and take a look at his early time in the league, it didn't it didn't come together all at once for him to begin with either, even though he was a third overall pick in the league. So he's more suited to play with a left-handed centerman in his career, whether it was a lot of Bennett last year and Barkov, obviously. It's going to fit here at some point. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any question. I don't know exactly with who, and I sense that, you know, the coach is frustrated because, as you'll hear on the coach's show, he does not name Jonathan, but probably at this point feels like he's put him almost everywhere he can. Yeah. So it's so, it you know, I mean, and I don't want to add any more pressure. I love the guy. Yeah. And I have no trouble saying that. You know, I have a history with him. Um, he's a, He's been a tremendous professional to deal with. He was a great junior to deal with, and I think he's a heck of a hockey player, and his career has shown that he's a heck of a hockey player. I just don't I just don't always think that because people are really really good at what they do the fit doesn't always come immediately there's other things that go on Yeah it's sometimes that age old question of is it almost harder to play with good players and make it work than it is the other way around right you have to it takes a special sort of combination to to work with guys when they think the game at a high level and see the game at a high level. And that's always what struck me about, and I know that the guy that gets named in that the most, Lou, is a guy like Sidney Crosby where everyone thinks, oh, it'd be so easy to play with Sidney Crosby. He does all these things right, but it actually takes a special mix of player and the right kind of player to to make it work. And that's why a guy like Chris Kunitz was a guy that was so valuable to him. Maybe not off the top, the kind of guy you expected would work with him, but turned out to be a, a great pairing and one that worked for the Penguins for so long. Well, it's true. Now, Sidney is in a class of his own with, yes. his, with his work. And, you know, one of the greatest things that Sidney does is he just flat out makes everybody that he plays with better in every way, shape, or form. And that is not necessarily, you know, a quality of even some of the best players in the sport. I'm excited for Jonathan Huberto. I have no idea what he's going to do after the night of December 23rd in Anaheim. 
But I think he get, needs to get back to wherever he's going to spend Christmas, feel better, feel recharged, be around people that completely believe in what he brings to the table. I think he needs a little... Sometimes guys need a kick in the... You know what? I think right about now, he's probably either... He's probably kicked himself enough for everybody else. Probably use, you know, a little good loving for a few days and come back and play the Oilers and go from there. But you got four really, five really, I guess, important games to get to before then. Including tonight, it's uh, Flames game day. Flames and the St. Louis Blues meeting for the first time this season. It's a 7 o'clock puck drop from the Dome. Flames warm up at 6 o'clock with Pat Steinberg and Peter Labardius. And Lou will join Derek for the call just after 7 right here on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960. The fan and Lou, it's an interesting group coming to town tonight in St. Louis. They're coming off a shootout win against the Edmonton Oilers last night, but it's been an inconsistent crew in St. Louis. 4-5-1 uh, and one in their last 10, which included a four-game losing streak. They've been to overtime their last three games. They lost to Colorado, but beat Nashville, and then I mentioned beat Edmonton last night. Uh, what do you make of this group led by Craig Berube, the former Flame? Let me ask you. Sure. When, when you have watched the St. Louis Blues, what do you think? What do you think? What have you What have you noticed this year, or have you watched them enough? You know, I've, I've watched a handful of their games this mm-hmm. year, and they've been around it a mm-hmm. lot. But it's just it's been little things that have have sort of bit them, and it's un, it's been uncharacteristic for a, a veteran group. When I think of guys like O'Reilly, and I think of guys like Shen, it, it's just felt a little bit off for this group all year long. They've just been a little bit inconsistent for my liking. You know what I think the real difference is? And I think there's some real similarities between the two teams in some regard, and I'll explain. So, you know, St. Louis not too long ago won the Stanley Cup. They also found themselves in a position where they couldn't come to terms with one of the best defensemen in the world, in Alex Petrangelo. So that changed their back end. That changed their leadership. They also lost an incredible leader from anyone you talk to around the Blues and Alex Steen. He, he probably didn't get the credit that he deserved, but the, new, the day I knew for absolute sure that Alex Steen was a great player and great for a team is when Ken Hitchcock told Derek was in the same scrum And he said Alex Steen was, if not the best or one of the best players at that time of making the next group come behind them better. And I've never forgotten that and obviously added it to my arsenal in terms of, you know, the importance of not just guys who score and chip in, but which he did a lot. So the leadership has changed. And more importantly, maybe than just that, Logan on the Blues front, who are really now the offensive leaders of this team? The torch has been passed. It's now Thomas and Cairo. And they're both great young players. I love both of them a lot. They're terrific. But as you find out in the National Hockey League, 
you know, to continue to lead and be consistent and and take on all the different types of responsibilities and responsibilities with people still on your team like O'Reilly and Braden Shen and others. I think that has been part of it with the Blues. I really do. And the goalie, who we are not likely to see tonight in Jordan Bennington, um, I'm not sure what's going to happen there. We're likely to see Thomas Grice tonight. You know, Bennington was the star of the show when he started the one season as their fifth goalie in the depth chart and the former Owen Sound attack OHL champ, you know, came up and did great things. I I do. And, like, guess what? The Flames are in a similar position, aren't they? They have new key people that are transitioning to kind of be the leaders in their case, they're veteran players, but of new teams and new teammates. So for me, there's some similarity. And in fact, I would make a lot of similarity comments in terms of the type of seasons both teams have had. Yeah, hard not to to see some of the similarities between the two. I'm curious too, before we, we get on to uh, what does Lou say on this Friday mm-hmm. quickly, Tough for guys like O'Reilly and Tarasenko going into the year, knowing that they're UFAs and that can kind of weigh on guys a lot too? I think it's easier for me to address the O'Reilly one. Ryan has been through so much in his career. Um, he's been a just a terrific player. You know, he's Conn Smythe winner the year they won the Stanley Cup. Um He's one of the most insightful, um, trying to think of the word for him. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of layers and good layers to Ryan O'Reilly. So, you know, it's always a transition when you go from the top of the mountain to kind of settle back in a little bit. Of course that always, any, anybody who, you know, signs contracts in their jobs, you know, am I nervous every time mine is about to come up? Of course you are. You're you're always wondering about your future and your family and how things are going to go. So, yeah, it it would play a bit of a factor. Um, But I just think, you know, Ryan is... Ryan will be brilliant at something whenever his hockey career is done because he's just that type of person. Yeah, for sure. I can't really speak about Mr. Tarasenko in the same way because I don't really know him very well as a person. Yeah, I know. He's, I, and he's I know he's that. been a heck of a hockey player for a long time, but that's that's had a lot of ups and downs in its struggles. Yeah, there's been a trade request in there too, and it's yes. sort of a bit of a muddier situation with him than maybe it is for the captain Ryan O'Reilly. We'll see both of them tonight. Uh, at the Saddle Dome, 14, 15, and 1 of the Blues on the year. Flames coming in at 13, 11, and 6. One more piece of business to get to with you, Peter, before we let you go on this Friday. It uh, does mean that we get to uh, give away some tickets and a gift card uh, to our pals at Bruce Chris Steakhouse because every Friday we does what we do, what does Lou say, and it's brought to you by Bruce Chris Steakhouse. Now open Tuesday to Sunday at 5 p.m., the perfect place to indulge before the game. Enjoy prime steak, mm. broiled to perfection, and serves sizzling on a 500-degree plate. And uh, it's very simple. I think it's the best contest going in radio right now. 
Not every even week, close. You just go to sportsnet.ca slash 960. Go to the contest tab. Go to what does Lou say. Submit your information and a question for Lou. And if we read your question out to Lou on a Friday, you win a $200 gift card to Roos Chris Steakhouse and a pair of lower bowl seats to an upcoming Flames game. Just like Eric did. Eric is our winner today. He's got the $200 gift card and a pair of tickets to tonight's game against the Flames and the Blues. And I love this question, and I can't wait to hear your response to it, Lou, because I think you're the perfect person being the hockey historian that you are. Uh, Eric's question is this, Lou. This week the NBA announced it was renaming its major awards, including renaming its annual MVP award after Michael Jordan. Would you like to see the NHL rename its major awards? And if so, which NHL former greats would you rename the marquee individual awards after? Well, it is an awesome question, um, and thank you for it. And you are not going to be disappointed in the meal, the service, and lower bowl tickets. You know, it's not bad if you don't mind six, seven hundred dollars no. worth of value yeah. for just throwing a question into your computer. Um, two come to mind in particular for me. I probably haven't given enough time to go through all of them. Yeah, fair enough. But I will give you two. I definitely think the Norris Trophy should be named after Robert Gordon Orr. That would be my suggestion. And I think the league MVP should be named the Wayne Gretzky Trophy. So you are you would be okay if it was time to, to rename some of the major sure. ones in the NHL? And, but you know what? You know what? I... And and you know this to be true. You've known me for a long time now. I, I'm not always the hugest lover of individual awards. For me, it's about who wins and and who doesn't as a team. And I, I think one of the greatest trophies in hockey is the Conn Smythe, because mm-hmm. that means you're the best player in the playoffs. So. I, you know, listen, there's been so many incredible players that have come through. I would have absolutely no problem with those people being recognized even more than they already have. And if they're not, I'm I'm not necessarily going to lose any sleep over that either. Congratulations to Eric. He's won a $200 gift card to visit our friends at Roos Chris Steakhouse and Lorville tickets to tonight's game against the Blues. What does Lou say is brought to you by Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the best place for game day. Order from the primetime menu and make it in time for puck drop with two courses from $55 and three from $65. You can visit RoosChrisSteakhouse.ca. Mr. Labardius, it's a pleasure as always, sir. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Have a great call tonight, sir. I will try my best, and I, I hope my register was in better form today. <laughs> yeah, keep uh, keep that voice up for later, hey? Okay, thank you. <laughs> See you Bye. Later. There you go. Peter Labardius, uh, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. He joins us every single day to kick off Sportsnet today. Uh, the Gemini Group Home Renovations know that your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group now offers air miles, reward miles. You can visit them at Gemini Group. We'll take a break. Come back on the other side. Let's take a look at the opposition tonight. The St. Louis Blues are in town. A chance to check in on what's been an up-and-down season for them. We will uh, ask some questions about the Blues to uh, Blues reporter for NHL.com. Lou Korak, he joins the program next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. 
You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, the fan. It's Calgary Flames game day tonight at the Scotiabank Saddledome. As they welcome in the St. Louis Blues after a 4-3 shootout win against the Edmonton Oilers last night. Welcome back to Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. And uh, very excited to chat about the Blues with our next guest. Uh, he covers the Blues for the NHL.com and for Sports Illustrated as well. It is Lou Korak joining us down the uh, Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Lou, thanks for doing this, pal. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, talk to me about last night, the controversial decision that Connor McDavid doesn't uh, like too much. He doesn't understand the offside rule, I guess, but leads to a, a big Blues win last night. Yeah, it was uh, it was rather interesting, and you know, I was tweeting about it last night during the game. That you know, watching it watching it live and firsthand, uh, I'm thinking to myself right off the bat, "Hey, this is coming back." I mean, I I don't believe that he has possession of the puck here. And then I looked at it a couple of more times after we were, you know, done last night, and uh, you know, I can I can see his point to a certain degree, but you know what? Um, the way the rule is written, I think they got that. I think they got it right. And, you know, I know players, <laughs> they're going to voice their opinions about it. And especially when one of the best in the league uh, decides to give his two cents on it, uh, someone's going to pay attention and listen to it. And it's going to, you know, bring up whatever you want to call it controversy. And they're going to, they're going to compare it to other plays. And I know they were, there were some comparisons to the Kale McCarr play last year in the playoffs. And to me, those are, you know, completely opposite. So I, I, I don't know where the relevancy comes in to play there, but nevertheless, uh, from the blues perspective, uh, you know, this is the second time in what, four or five days that, uh, you know, a, a game was on the brink of going one way and it goes the other, you know, last Sunday they play Colorado and they're nine seconds away from putting that game away and instead lose an overtime. And they flipped the switch last night, which is kind of what I wrote about. I mean, during the, course of an 82 game season uh, these things are going to happen you know you're going to have your ups you're going to have your downs last night was one of those where uh, you know you didn't think they were going to get a point out of it not only did they get one point but they got two and they're feeling good about themselves going into that matchup tonight and it feels like those ups and downs Lou have sort of been the story of the blue season so far 14 15 and one uh, you know a, a mid record in their last 10 that also includes a four game losing streak is it fair to say that Craig Berube is still trying to find that consistency within his group. I think so, but I think it's, you're starting to see some traction here, uh, at least in the last, uh, what, four or five games, Okay, three, one, and one, uh, you know, they're starting to, they're starting to find their way, which is uh, being more defensively minded and closing, closing plays off and just, and being able to be a more stingier team. And I, I, you know, They've been built like that for so many years, and it just hasn't happened uh, through the first quarter of this season. Now, almost what a third of the way in, and uh, but I think you're starting to see it here. And in the last three games, uh, they've they've only allowed two five, you know, even strength goals, which is more to their brand and their style of how they want to play, as opposed to they went through a stretch there, uh, I believe. Uh, ending with their game against the New York Rangers on December 5th, where they had allowed four goals or more in nine straight games, which is, you know, that's, that's just not a recipe for success. And to try to be able to sustain something like that, you're not going to win too many hockey games doing that. So 
I think, uh, you know, they, they still got a little, little bit to go here. I mean, but it's a small sample size of starting to generate and starting to feel good about themselves again, because, you know, they're keeping themselves in hockey games. They may not be scoring a ton of goals. You know, they were able to pot three last night and get the shootout winner, but, uh, you know, they feel if they can, you know, start from the back and work their way up, they're going to be in a lot more hockey games and uh, they're going to be on the winning side of it more so than not. Is it fair to say that Jordan Bennington's responded the right way after his coach came out and said, hey, look, we, we can't have this this after the whistle stuff, this getting pulled stuff with you getting in everybody's face. We, we it's you know, I don't have to tell anybody listening, you know. Jordan Biddington's given himself that reputation of being a fiery goaltender and, you know, letting the emotions get the best of him sometimes. But it sure feels like, at least from my perspective, somebody who doesn't watch the Blues on a full-time basis, Lou, that he's responded in a pretty positive way since Craig came out and said that. Yeah, I think so. And he's been really good, especially he started the last three games and went on back-to-back days uh, last Sunday and Monday and performed uh, quite well. And I thought he performed well last night, despite allowing three. I mean, listen, you know, you give up two power play goals to that team is, is nothing, is nothing to sneeze about. I mean, you're talking about one of the best power plays in the league and, you know, not, o- not only were they power plays, but to me, you know, they're just penalties that you can't take. And I mean, I, I know the, the one at the start of the game where you're talking about, you know, not having the correct, you know, not having the correct lineup out there. Those things are like one in a million that are going to happen, but the too many men on, on the ice, they did that twice last night. You're just asking for trouble against that team. But again, they, you know, one five on five goal last night against that team. And, uh, you know, there was a stretch there late in the third period where Biddington came up with, uh, not one, not two, but three, three very timely saves, just bang, bang, bang. If, if one of those pucks goes in, it's four to two and game over. But I think that's, that's just how he's been. Maybe the season numbers don't necessarily reflect it because people are going to look at that and say, you know, he's just had a poor year this year. But I think what people don't understand is, is just what, you know, what kind of defense he was having in front of him earlier in the year. But despite some of the numbers, I think the goaltending was keeping this team afloat until they can get their bearings going. And and I think especially in these last three games, like you said, he's responded accordingly. He's just that kind of a guy where he feels like he has his way of trying to fire his team up and light a spark. Uh, He does at times take it to (laughs) extremes, I guess is the best way to say it. Yeah. But you know what? That's just who he is. And you know what? His teammates respect him. They, they appreciate what he does. And as long, as long as he does his job, I think they're okay with uh, whatever he, whatever he, whatever ways he goes about to try to not only motivate himself, but to motivate the team as well. How has that transition been for not only Jordan, but I guess for the team now that Billy Huso is in Detroit and Thomas Grice, the veteran, is in there now? Uh, we're expecting to see Grice tonight, I'd imagine, after Bennington goes the distance last night. But what's that been like for them? It's much more of a pretty clear who's the number one goaltender in St. Louis situation now. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, last year you had a situation where you know, Bennington had a stretch during the regular season where he struggled, but Billy Huso really kept this team in it until they got going last year and, and really took off. And, you know, he, he did what, you know, maybe not a lot of people expected and turned that into a one, a one B situation. But I think what you have here is a clear one and two. I mean, they're, they're fully expecting Bennington to play 
you know, that 55 to 60 range of starts this year. And if you can get anywhere from 20 to 25 starts out of your backup, which is Grice this year, that, that that's kind of the plan for them. And like you said, you know, you would think that Thomas Grice is going to go tonight, but you never know. I mean, yeah. they went with Bennington and back-to-back situations uh, Sunday and Monday. And I think that's one of those where Craig Berube just gets up the next day and talks to his goalie and asks him how he feels. And if he feels like he can go, maybe he turns around and goes right back to him tonight. But at some point here, you're going to have to get Grice some work. But it's clear cut. They they know who the number one is. Jordan Bennington knows he's the guy. And I think he thrives in those situations a lot lot better when, they're, when there's a lot more responsibility on his shoulders. Uh, Lou, one of the guys that St. Louis gave a, a big extension to in this offseason was Jordan Cairo. Him and Robert Thomas sure feel like it's beginning to, I don't want to say it's they're taking over for the core in St. Louis because Ryan O'Reilly's still there, still a very important piece. Same with Braden Shen, but it feels like more and more, especially after performances like last night, when you talk about the St. Louis Blues, the first couple guys you're going to start to mention over the next little while really are going to be more of, of Kyrou and more of Robert Thomas. Hey. Yeah. And uh, Doug Armstrong's uh, done this in the past with guys where, you know, he's banked on them and, and, and relied on them to perform, to perform uh, giving them contracts, not knowing exactly what he's going to get. I mean, he did this uh, with Alex Petrangelo. It paid off. Well, he did it with Tarasenko and gave him and, an eight-year contract when he was uh, 23 years old, and that's paid off well for him. So I think he's got a pretty good pulse of what he feels like he has. Now the players are going to have to go out there and perform, but I think you're seeing by him going out and giving these young guys eight-year max contracts here and, and, and top dollar starting next season, that's his belief that these guys are going to, tra- it's going to transition into becoming their team and they're going to be the leaders of this team moving forward. It's kind of that next generation. And, uh, you know, I know sometimes that can, you know, you're, you can be dealing with a slippery slope there, especially when you have veterans on the roster, guys that have won a Stanley cup, not too long ago. And guys that are on maybe some expiring contracts here, like O'Reilly and a Tarasenko and, even a, even a guy like Ivan Barbashev is on an expiring contract. And, you know, you, you tend to wonder if, you know, there's going to be some hard feelings there knowing that these young guys are getting the money and there's, there's uncertainty with uh, the veterans moving forward. But I think they've handled it. it. It started out a little bit dicey there, but I think as they're transitioning here and moving along and you're starting to see some of the results you're getting, I think they're buying into the philosophy and, um, uh, you know, it's it's just a sign that uh, they're moving forward with these guys into the future, and uh, they're going to bank on them to perform, and and they're putting them in situations right now that uh, are going are going to provide the big minutes for them. One guy I was excited to ask you about because I, I'm so intrigued by him. It's year two in St. Louis for Pavel Buchnevich. He returned after a four game absence last night and played uh, 21:57. How important has he been? to this team last year. He had a, a great season offensively last year, career high of 76 points coming over from the New York Rangers and feels as though he's a, a really key component of what the blues want to be able to do offensively. Well, he is, and he, he's, he's a point per game player. Now, granted he's missed nine games now with uh, two stints of injuries. He missed five games earlier this year, also with a lower body injury. But you know, when he's out there, um, they use him in all situations, and they've pretty much done that since they acquired him from the New York Rangers. I mean, 
not only is he going to be playing a, a top six role here, um, they've got him on the power play. They've got him on the penalty kill. And Craig Berube's not afraid to throw him out there in any situation. And uh, he's he's been everything as advertised. And uh, the, this is the kind of player that they were hoping and wanting to get when they acquired him from the New York Rangers. And uh, so far, uh, it, it's definitely paid off for them. And he's one of those veteran guys that's uh, – you know, has got a nice contract. Uh, this, you know, he's got, including this year, three more years on his contract, and the Blues are going to be expecting big things from them. And, yeah, he kind of had that breakout year last year. Now, like the rest of the team, you know, just nine goals in 21 games. Uh, not too bad. So about a goal every two games. But everybody's numbers have dropped off a little bit, uh, judging by the, the team scoring this year. And needless to say, it, it wasn't – that's going to be hard to sustain to ask uh, – nine different guys uh, to score 20 goals like they had last year. Uh, that That's very difficult to sustain, but nevertheless, uh, he's, he's provided everything they've wanted. And being a point-per-game per guy it just shows you how important it is to have him in the lineup. Uh, just a couple more for you, Lou. Appreciate you doing this on a, on a game day tonight between the Blues and the Flames. Uh, what's the latest on, on Vladimir Tarasenko? And that situation seems to be one that's been – quieter and louder at times he's on an expiring contract but uh has there been a change in his request to to be out of st louis what's kind of the story about vladimir tarasenko right now nothing that i'm aware of i mean you know everybody knows the story of uh he and his camp requested the trade and uh as far as as far as i'm aware of publicly nothing has changed on that front and uh you know it's gonna be it's going to be interesting to see how they proceed with this because, you know, it's all going to depend on where the Blues at here in the next couple of weeks to the next to the I would say the next month month and a half. Uh, now, whether he's going to walk as a free agent, uh, I think Doug Armstrong would be comfortable with that if that happens because, you know, like I said, they had signed him to an eight-year contract, got great value out of him, uh, was able to win a Stanley Cup, but. You know, if he decides to go and and nothing is agreed upon, uh, you know, by the time uh, July 1st rolls around, uh, that frees up seven and a half million dollars in cap space for the Blues. And I think they would be comfortable with that. Now, would they trade him before the deadline? It's all going to depend on whether, you know, they're in this race that they feel like that they can not only make the playoffs, but make inroads because, Listen, Doug Armstrong's a guy, kind of guy that if he doesn't feel like not only the team can make the playoffs but actually do something when they get there, he's not a, he's not afraid to uh, deal off assets for uh, for say picks or prospects. He did it he did it five years ago in 2017-18. They missed the playoffs by one point, but they, that's the year they traded Paul Stastny to Winnipeg because he just didn't feel like that that group could ma- not only make the playoffs but actually do something when they get there. So. These next four to six weeks are really going to tell which direction that he may go with a guy like not only Tarasenko, but even a Ryan O'Reilly and Barbashev, like I mentioned earlier, that are on expiring contracts as well. And uh, last but not least, uh, an inside look at the Calgary Flames. What do you see when you uh, look at the Blues opponent tonight for uh, Daryl Sutter's crew so far this season, I should say? Kind of a kind of what you've seen out of St. Louis here. You know, the guys – guys that are very talented up front and uh, but can play that hard gritty style of game. So I would imagine it's going to be, it's going to be a good game tonight. I mean, both teams are kind of in that situation where, you know, they're, they're fighting for points. They're fighting to, to get their games, respective games going. Uh, 
Obviously, the Flames are going to be a little bit more fresh here with the Blues playing last night. But, uh, you know, it, it should be interesting. And, and, and they've, had, they've had some interesting battles here in the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, anytime uh, you get a Daryl Sutter coach team, it's always interesting. I remember, you know, the years that he coached with the L.A. Kings, uh, a, ver- a very stingy, very, very tough team to play against because they've always been hard and physical. And I would expect to see more of the same there tonight. Lou, really appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this today, man. Enjoy the game tonight, and we'll chat with you down the road, hey? Hey, thanks for having me, and you have a good day. Appreciate that. Thanks very much. Lou Korak joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. He covers the St. Louis Blues in the NHL for NHL.com. And, yes, the Flames and Blues go tonight from the Scotiabank Central Dome. It's a 7 p.m. puck drop tonight at the Dome. 6 p.m. Flames warm-up with Pat Steinberg and Peter Labardius. They will take you all the way up until puck drop where Derek and Lou take over to call the Flames and the St. Louis Blues. And uh, an interesting group in St. Louis there, the Come out with a win last night against the Edmonton Oilers, which Flames fans will no doubt uh, be happy to see anytime the Oilers lose. That offside situation in overtimes, one that's getting a lot of run because of the guy that is involved with it in his comments post game. I thought Lou put it a good way. The, the McCarr comparison to what the McDavid situation was last night, as far as offsides go, to me, you're comparing apples and oranges. They're not the same play. Uh, thus it comes out with a different result. I, I think that play is offside, but I can understand why Connor felt the way that he did because it does feel like there's a lot of gray area and a lot of back and forth. Now, that play explained you know, a little bit more post-game to him after he watches the video. I'm sure he's a smart enough guy to understand why it would be called offside and why that goal would have been called back because it was offside. That's that's the nature of the rule. I don't think it was all that complicated, but there are always going to be different situations when you have a rule like offsides that can be reviewed. And in terms of possession, how the guy is entering the puck, are you clearing it? All those sort of things can, can work into it. I, I think it was just an unfortunate situation, and the Oilers wind up losing it in a shootout and losing that game Late to the Blues, uh, Jordan Cairo picks up a couple of big points, a goal and two assists on the night. He was a, a big performer for them. I'm just curious. I don't know that I see the St. Louis Blues team in a contending window right now. They're they're going to be paying a lot of money to a couple of guys in the next couple of seasons that feel like they need to take over. I mentioned them in that conversation there. Cairo and Robert Thomas jump up both from 2.8 million to 8.125 million next season you're going to automatically probably say goodbye to to Vladimir Tarasenko and his money what do you do with Ryan O'Reilly who's just 31 years old has never been a huge offensive driver but is still probably incredibly important to what that team does what do you pay him are you willing to give him an 8 year contract extension are you willing to lose him to free agency? I don't think that's probably the most palatable idea. If you're Doug Armstrong and Craig Berube, back end looks a little bit different. They've still kind of tried to piece it together since Alex Petrangelo left. Their top four, still pretty solid. Pareko, Krug, Falk, those kind of guys that you can rely on for good two-way play. And like we said there, we're not expecting to see Jordan Bennington tonight as that game went to a shootout last night, but... Uh, Lou Korak there, who covers the Blues, said, hey, this is Bennington's team right now. 
if Craig Berube were to get up and ask Jordan Bennington how he's feeling this morning and he was ready to go, wouldn't stun him to see the Blues go back to their number one goaltender on back-to-back nights, the, the travel between Calgary and Edmonton. Not huge, obviously, so it could be seen that it's not as bad of a turnaround as some back-to-backs. So maybe we see Bennington, maybe we don't. We'll have to wait until uh, warm-up comes a little bit later on this evening. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. Hour two of Sportsnet today. We've got lots to get to. We'll head back to the Flames locker room from earlier this morning. We'll hear from head coach Daryl Sutter. We'll hear from Milan Lucic, who is back in the lineup tonight. Dylan Dubé gets a spin on the top line with Elias Lindholm and Tyler Toffoli. Lots to get to as Sportsnet Today continues next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.